0: Tonight on Arena. Filmmaker Asif Kapadia and choreographer Akram Khan on Creature. And Inhaler, Pink and New Pagans are our albums for review. You can text us on 51551 or tweet at RTE Arena. Three sisters live out repetitive, restrictive lives in a small remote harbour town in Walsh's play, The New Electric Ballroom. Every day they tell the same story over and over, a story that seems to have trapped two of them, Brida and Clara, permanently at home and to have ruined their younger sister Ada's chance of making a life for herself. Emma Jordan directs a new production of the play at the Gate Theatre Dublin, where real life sisters Barbara and Jane Brennan play Breda and Clara and Orla Fitzgerald is Ada and Marty Ray is Patsy, the local fishmonger and their only visitor. Emma Jordan is with me in studio and Marty Ray joins us on the line. Emma, I was reading and to watch a script today and the wordplay, the repet- uh, repetitive nature of what he's, he's writing, the speed and the Manic energy—that's mm-hmm. called for. What's it like to direct a piece of work like that?
1: I think it's—it's it's been a, a, a real roller coaster. Um, the play, in one way, is kind of mysterious, and I think that that's part of its uh, attraction for an audience. You go on a real journey, and you're trying to kind of figure out the dynamic between these three women and how Pat, where Patsy uh, fits fits into it. So it, it has a really. Uh, attention that uh, is quite high from the start and it carries the whole way through. But I mean, it's been just a, a a privilege
0: really to work on Enda's work. He's an absolute master of his craft. So tell us a little bit about the three sisters and the importance of the title of the play, The New Electric Ballroom. Well, it's really the story of two sisters who they live in a very
1: small uh, a village. And, uh, they, uh, dream of the roller royal and the new electric ballroom. And it's a story of really their thwarted love. And the kind of their, their emotional development has kind of halted at this key moment in their life, just on the brink of womanhood. And the, the kind of suppression, oppression uh, surrounding them has, made them retreat from the world and close the door and keep themselves away so it's like a self-isolation I think we all know know uh, all about that but but really the the wisdom that they have imparted to Ada their younger sister is that you're safer inside than night stay in
0: and when they mean inside they mean inside uh, the house they mean inside the house Right. And it's a village that is, it relies on the fishing industry. Yeah. Describe the town to us and, and the role yeah. Ada plays in the town.
1: Well, I think for for me, uh, there's such an abstract uh, nature to Enda's work, which, which is beautiful because it's also so familiar uh, uh, in Ireland. We understand this small town, but also it's kind of mythical. Uh, world that he creates that has potential for magic and um, the town is, you know, it's small and it's about gossip and the women uh, work in the tin factory and all of the gossip about their thwarted, their broken hearts has, you know, really repelled them away. I think they probably think they're better than everybody else in the town. And, you know, their one chance for escape was uh, uh, this love affair that hasn't worked out. Unfortunately, they're both in love with the same man.
0: This is Brita and Clara. Yes, yes. yes. And this man that they met at the new electric At ballroom. the new electric ballroom. Um, Marty, we spoke to you recently. Sean spoke to you on the the stage of the Abbey in your role as Jim in Conor McPherson's *The Weir*, and so that was your first Conor McPherson play. And this is your first in um, the Walsh play.
2: That's right. Um, this year has been kind of amazing that way for me. In that, at the start, this time last year, I was doing my first Marina Carr play as well. So it's that's a, right, a Portia really interesting year Yeah. It's been a really interesting year that way, getting to work on these three major contemporary playwrights. Um, I had done one of Enda's rooms, which was recording for the Galway uh, Arts Festival about, uh, I think it was the very beginning of COVID. and, And then my voice was used in medicine which was his last big uh, stage production but my whole body was never in ender Walsh before <laughs> and it is now. <laughs>
0: it's, it's very much in this one and tell us a little bit about Patsy. <laughs> he's the man who brings the gossip of the town and he's a lovable character but not lovable to the sisters it appears.
2: No, he's he comes in, he brings the news from outside. He's full of gossip. He's He's I think he's a very lonely uh, character and he's a bit of an outcast in the town. He's a bit, you know, he's isolated. The people have kind of isolated him, and uh, he exists as an outsider, but he has this one thing that he does every day, which is deliver fish to the three sisters up in the house. So that kind of defines his day. Do you know what I mean? And when he turns up then, uh, the only way he really knows how to express himself is through the, the medium of gossip and tales and, you know, local news and all that kind of stuff, which kind of drives them insane. But it's the only means that he seems to have to express himself. Until this day, when we join them uh, in the play, as an audience, when we join them, we see that something's not too right with himself and Ada, the youngest sister in the house. Something is starting to uh, break. Uh,
0: And Marty, the... The the script the 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 speeches mm. that that uh, mm. your character has to uh, has to say uh, as as mm. the sisters also have these speeches and they are this wonderful wordplay and speed and this kind of manic quality. How yeah. difficult is that for an actor?
2: It's difficult, obviously. Um, it's but a necessity, um, and the. There is a, an incredible energy about Ender's writing, a very similar to Beck's, in that it's, there's a darkness there, there's a, a be tragedy there, but there's also great energy and comedy in it. You know, you're laughing uh, at the same time as you're cringing. Um, but the actual energy of how Ender writes, it's almost like I, I keep likening it to, it's almost like you have to take the pill. Of the kind of end of watch pill and swallow it and then let it just fire out of you and the language actually does things to you as an actor, so in a mad way, yeah, it kind of does the work for you, but to actually go through it is uh, it's a bit of a feat.
0: Yeah, I'd say that, Emma, and and you as the director, can you help the actors in any way in in getting that facility with the with the script?
1: Well, I think that's the definition of my job is to uh, facilitate that journey. And um, I really like to work in a collaborative way. You know, the the rehearsals are a process of discovery. And with this particular play, I think more and more is revealed every day to all of us. So in that way, it's really gratifying uh, uh, work. And uh, yeah, I do my best, Marty, don't I?
2: (laughs) Oh, you're brilliant!
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, she's you're all over
2: it,
0: <laughs> Marty. It's interesting, like talking about the weir and the weir was was uh, was these four men and one woman mm. telling stories to mm. each other. And here again in the end, Walsh, it's this it's this kind of repetitive storytelling. Do mm-hmm. you see similarities, or do you think the purpose of storytelling is very different in the two plays?
2: I think they're I think they're kind of different in, in the in the two plays in their particulars and that in the way it was opening people up and in a strange way in this one they're closing people down. Um, but both is in both the people that are telling the stories to achieve those things think they're doing it for the best. And I think it's more about listening to playwrights explore the idea of storytelling and what it is, what we do as a human species with story, why we tell story, um the good things about it, the bad things about it. I mean we've all we've had plays throughout uh the decades in Ireland. Like I think of Balligan Goyra by Tom Murphy, which is about one woman trying to get to the end of a story that mm-hmm. happened one time. And the play is kind of about will she ever get to the end? And when she does, what then? kind of a thing. So the like the the uh the idea of story—why we do it, why we keep wanting to listen to them, why we watch them, why we are kept on the uh, edge of our seats all the time—just um, as human beings, where storytelling is very, very important to us and has been, particularly in Ireland as part of our culture. You know, the the storytelling has been a huge part of how we entertained each other, um, and we teach each other through it, and we try to communicate to each other uh, through story. Um, So I think for writers, particularly playwrights who are writing for the theatre, the whole idea, the whole concept of story is kind of fascinating and why we do it.
0: Emma, the, uh, the Walworth farce, which is the other play by Enda Walsh, which mm-hmm. explored again this idea of repeating a, a scenario within a family to kind of keep a family together. In You could see it in one way, mm-hmm. but it's also to kind of restrict the family. Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on here as well? Uh,
1: I, I, absolutely. I think that it is, because in a way that, you know, that story also can box one in, it can also confine one and uh, uh, and define one and I think in a way if the village have defined these women by their past, that they also have latched on to a narrative that in one way is an explanation but also absolves themselves of any kind of uh, uh, responsibility in terms of uh, how they how they live as you know that it's a salve a story as a salve or a consolation or a lesson. Um, so uh, you know I, the difference. I don't know. I mean, Walworth, Farson, uh, the two speak to each other, but perhaps the difference uh, is the essential difference is gender. And um, mm. I, I certainly think that in. New electric ballroom that Enda throws a light on where women are in, were and are arguably in um uh, Irish society. You know that the, the, the within religion you've got the you've got the Virgin Mary and you've got uh, Mary Magdalene you've got the Virgin and the whore. So there's a whole uh, world of critique. I think in terms of religion and society and how that also has confined these women.
0: And Marty, how is Patsy defined in the play? And is he is he trapped like the sisters are trapped?
2: Yeah, I mean, if we think that uh, the sisters are trapped in the house by their own doing, uh, telling themselves their own story over and over again to keep them safe inside from the dangers of outside as they see it, from the outside talk. Um, Patsy is living in the outside world, but as one character puts it, he's branded marked and scarred by talk boxed by words so uh, he's been defined by what's said about him and it's that it's, it's not it's a, it's the ongoing thing that the writers doing uh, the, the the strength and the power of words what we say about about people how we talk about people how we brand people um, which is actually that's a big uh, theme at the moment that we're very very aware of um how powerful our words are and how powerful a thing is said. Uh, so, you, you know, you want to make sure that you say the right thing. Yes. Um, because someone can be defined in some cases for the rest of their lives by something that was said. So, it's very interesting, do Yes.
0: Way. Well, Marty Ray, best of luck with The New Electric Ballroom and Emma Jordan, thank you so much for talking to us. The New Electric Ballroom by Ender Walsh runs at the Gate Theatre Dublin from the 23rd of February to the 1st of April. Then it tours to the Everyman in Cork from the 4th to the 7th of April. Further details from gatetheatre.ie and everymancork.com. You're listening to Friday Night's Arena. Creature is the title of a dark and stunning dance work created by fame choreographer Akram Khan for English National Ballet. The work was originally performed on stage in 2021 and now it's been made into a film by director Asif Kapadia, the man behind such films as Senna, Diego Maradona and Amy, which explored the life and legacy of Amy Winehouse. Creature is inspired by two great 19th century works, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Georg Buschner's Wojciech. And at the opening of the drama, we meet the creature of the title as he awakes in a dilapidated Arctic research station. There he's being tested, tormented and experimented upon by a mysterious military group who plan to explore new frontiers in space. (laughs)
2: of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And you talk to us from the sea of tranquility. It inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to earth. Peace to earth. Peace to earth. Peace to earth. Peace to earth. 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 Because of what you have done, for one priceless moment, in the whole history of man, all the people on this earth are truly wars
0: the opening section there from Creature. The film opens in cinemas next week and I'm delighted to be joined by choreographer Akram Khan and filmmaker Asif Kapadia. Thank you both for joining us. Akram, can you tell me about the origins of Creature? As I say, initially inspired by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but that was just a takeoff point, wasn't it?
3: Yes, I mean, I wanted to make uh, a work that... um, would become the canvas of what I was feeling uh, around the time that I was making it about the world and uh, the governments around the world so uh, and society. And so I felt this sent, real sense of powerlessness and I, I felt like um, Wojciech was really a, a wonderful kind of canvas, if you like. And actually it wasn't me, it was actually Ruth Little, my dramaturg, who suggested, because she knew I liked Wojciech and she suggested that I go back to it, um, and, you know, tackle it, perhaps, or just have a look at it. And the more I lo- re-looked at it again, the more I fell in love with the with the narrative. I mean, the more relevant I found. I, I found it very relevant to the world that we live in today. And so it moved from Mary Shelley's, originally from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein to uh, um, Wojciech.
0: Now, uh, the creature who we meet in this defunct Arctic station is being used and abused, experimented on by these powerful forces who want to leave the planet and find new frontiers. How much do we find out about who these forces are? Or who did you have in mind?
3: Um, I mean, it's not uh, explicit, but uh, of course, uh, uh, directly would be all the dictators like Trump, Bolsonaro, uh, to a certain degree, Boris Johnson. Um, so for me, it, it, it's very uh, uh, the major, if you like, the 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 one who's the leader of the army, the one who controls the power, is uh, is represent. It, it was you know not inspired, but yeah, triggered by uh, the rise of Trump and the right wing, particularly the National Front.
0: But this idea that they might find a new world to live in uh, beyond the... the... Oh,
3: sorry. That was Elon Musk. Thanks to Elon Musk. I mean, I just found it completely shocking that Elon Musk uh, was talking about uh, going to new frontiers, you know, uh, living on Mars. I mean, we have a beautiful planet here. And uh, sorry, sorry, uh, um, Asif?
4: Jeff Bezos as well. as has got his grand plan to exactly. go somewhere else. Absolutely. Having, you know, destroy the planet, go and fly off somewhere else. Yes. Give up.
0: Um, Akram, the, the creature who's played by uh, Jeffrey Chirro uh, dances the part and he, he's treated like a test dummy to be used and experimented upon. But even though he's called creature and the piece is called creature, he's very much a human being.
3: Absolutely. The thing is, you change um, the parameters of um, uh, our our social uh, uh, um, kind of uh, our social area. Um, If people treat you in a certain way, um, you change those parameters. It's amazing how how animal like we become. (laughs) Uh, We call ourselves civilized and we call ourselves human. It's just a small a grey area, a small invisible line that can really trigger something. I mean, you know, a chaos can do that. Uh, a, a trauma can do that. And of course, with Creature, he is very much human, who has been degraded to the point where he, his entire body is full of trauma and powerlessness. And so his body looks, I mean, he behaves like, a, like, a, like an animal, really.
0: Asif, you did know Akram before working on Creature, but what was it about Creature that made you want to work with him?
4: So I I knew of Akram, but we'd never really spoken much or, or collaborated before. And everything that Akram said about where the idea came from, you know, we were living that experience because this project came to me during lockdown. In a period when I was not leaving my home, I was with my family, we were literally locked down. I get a message saying, because they couldn't perform the show, because we were, there were no live audiences, there were no theatres open, nothing was open, would I be interested in perhaps making a film of the show because it may never come out? So I went along to a rehearsal, sat down on the floor and watched from work and just was blown away by what I saw. And all of the themes that he mentioned, he and I never discussed any of this. I just saw it and thought... This is speaking to me. This is speaking to me about what's going on in the world, but also how I'm feeling right now. And I just thought this is really cinematic. I, I've never been to the ballet before. I'm not someone who knows that world. I didn't know Akram's dance, you know, honestly. I saw this and I thought, well, this is ballet. The ballet's for me. I can do something with this. I think also I could make a film that hopefully gets a new audience to watch something like this. So that's where I really came in. I, and I just thought this was pure cinema. There's no words, but it's performance, it's visual, it's music, it's sound. And it's really quite visceral, quite in your face. And I like the kind of dark themes and the kind of tone of it.
0: And then when it came to uh, filming it, you you you're. It's not like one of those uh, theatre shows that we see online, where you're uh, where the the uh, director and cameraman is almost a member of the audience. You're in the thick of it. You're in the thick of the dancers. Where, where yeah. did that decision come from, Asif?
4: So that, that came from the fact that Akram and I did have a conversation, and he was very clear, saying, "Look, the, the show is a show." The film is your film. You do what you want to do. So I was like, okay, I'm like, well, can I stand over there? Can I be in the middle? Can I can I be in between the dancers? Can I get, you know, because I've got bad eyesight. I love movies. I love close-ups. I struggle sometimes with the theatre, being at the back of the theatre, and going, who's that? Which, which guy, that one? I, I, you know, I, I'm like being in the middle of it. I'm a filmmaker. So for me, if I'm going to do a film, it only makes sense if I do something new and play with the form. And that meant getting in there, getting extreme close-ups, two shots, moving behind there, looking where the audience would have been and you see this black void. So we're above the actors, we're in the middle of them at one point, we're looking through the set, we're, we're literally experiencing it in a very different way. So the film is not the theatre show. And that's why it's fun to do. And that's why it's an exciting experience. I felt we had to try and play with it and make something new. My references were like a bit of kind of the documentary on Pina, but also Dogville by Lars von Chair where you have a story, but no set. You have a few characters in blackness. And that's how I imagined this show.
0: Uh, Akram, did you, uh, you, it's, it's contemporary dance. I know you're working with uh, English National Ballet, but the type of contemporary dance, is it possible to explain it in words? The, the physicality you have in your dancers, the, the, you, you described how you, how Creature is almost animal-like because he's kind of beaten down by life. But then the others, yeah. the ensemble dance.
3: Yeah, I mean, the ensemble dan- dance, I would say, is more classical um, uh, because I'm working with such a wonderful strong, powerful classical company as E&B, but they're also very adaptable to contemporary work because I've already uh, had, f- uh, they've not just worked with me, they've worked with many contemporary choreographers, of noted choreographers, uh, senior choreographers to me, who I've, I stand on the shoulders of them, really. So they have this wide range of experience, which is very specific for this ballet company, uh, in terms of a ballet company, um, especially the range that they reach. However, Creature's material, um, I I I workshopped out of Jeffrey's body. Um, very often, a lot of the material, the vocabulary, comes not from a writer uh, in my work, but it comes directly out of the bodies of the dancers who are going to play those characters. So, in a sense, they become the authors of those. They become They have an ownership over those. Uh, uh, that uh, uh, that way of moving. And so Jeffrey was responsible for Creature's material,
0: really. Um, Asif, you, doing, you know, we know you from your wonderful work at the Amy documentary, the Diego Maradona, the Ayrton Senna documentary. Can you see a kind of progression or a connection between the, the, the lives of those famous, wonderful
4: people and working on Creature? I would say yes, because I think there's a, if there's a theme that runs through my work, and before I made um, Senna and Amy and Diego Maradona, I'd, I'd made drama. So I come from a drama background. I started making docs. I would say all of my films are in some way about outsiders or about characters taking on power or corruption. or So, so the themes of an authoritarian group and these two people who are at the bottom of the kind of power structure who are used and abused but also kind of fall in love that is, for me, something that I've always been interested in. And it's somehow, if you look deeply, it's running through all of the films. And so that's where I suppose it has something in common. But also, it has something in common, but it's also fun to do something completely different.
0: Uh, Akram, how demanding was it on the, the dancers? I mean, presumably, you always do a straight run-through every night and you're building the energy and the tension and the drama each night. So, presumably, Asif then demanded stop start doing particular scenes is is that demanding on a dancer or very difficult for a dancer
3: and um, well I, I i think to be clear i have to and to be uh, very precise i have to be honest um uh, we have to take the word demanding out because um uh, asif was never demanding on us he was ever so generously asking what is the limit how, how many takes can we take, do? N- having empathy with the dancers that usually they do one straight run through, full out. Um, and so we pushed it to two or three sometimes of a particular scene. Um, uh, but what was interesting was it was a real excuse to drill it. To be honest with you, if I'm being really transparent, Creature um, didn't premiere three weeks shy of the premiere. We got a lockdown the whole world went shut down, especially England, um, three weeks before the premiere. If there was no lockdown, I think Creature would not have been ready. I I, I really owe a lot to uh, English National Ballet and Asif for getting the opportunity to work with Asif and really look at Creature through his eyes and his lens. And that I think enriched Creature, the project itself. So now the film is the film, which is very specific and unique. And then the theatre version has also been influenced by the conversations and the questions Asif asked about the live show when he was filming it. So that's an exciting progression, isn't it, Asif,
0: for 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 working in your work with Akram?
4: I think that's what you call artists collaborating, isn't it? It's like this kind of mad, accidental thing, but it's kind of a beautiful thing. You know, you have the works of literature, you have a show. I always think something, you know, filmmaking often things go wrong it's just the nature of it there's so many people there's so many days there's weather you have all these issues and you're juggling them and you're just trying to survive each day and often things go wrong and it's how you deal with it when they go wrong and i always feel in the long run something good comes out of the awful thing and i would say this film exists because they couldn't perform it and i felt we got an amazing experience of us collaborating, the EMB dancers, Akram and his way of working in his team, and then these filmmakers who came along, and there's this really powerful triangle between the three of us. And, and yeah, we created something completely different because we all came across each other, because the show couldn't happen. And I, that's what I think is special about it.
0: Well, we can enjoy the fruits of that collaboration when Creature opens next week in Ireland. Akram Khan and filmmaker Asif Kapadia, thank you so much. So it's time for our album reviews and up for review this evening are Trustfall from Pink, which she said was inspired by many personal events in her life, including her children getting sick and her father's death. Making Circles of Our Own by New Pagans is the second album from the Belfast-based band and we'll start with Cuts and Bruises from Irish band Inhaler. This follows on from their debut album It Won't Always Be Like This in 2021 which went to number one in the Irish album charts. Let's start with If You're Gonna Break My Heart.
5: We woke up faded
0: From the shape of the night that's if you're going to break my heart from Cuts and Bruises the new album from Inhaler. Kate Brennan Harding and John Marr have been listening to Inhaler Pink and New Pagans for us. Kate you were saying that that's your favourite track from yeah, the album.
5: Yeah I really enjoy that track. I prefer the slower pace of it actually because the album itself is quite uh, fast paced um, it's well incredibly well produced but there's something about that song it's kind of, it's kind of timeless. It's got, it's got no uh, kind of era to it and And it's something new as well. I really, really enjoy that song. Now, um,
0: is it time just to move on and say that Inhaler are a band in their own right and not talk about Elijah uh, Hewson and his father, his famous father? Of
5: course it is. The thing is, I would imagine that the band themselves are resigned to the fact that they are never, ever really going to escape the fact that Bono is uh, Elijah's dad. Um, I think as well, you know, his voice is incredibly like his dad's. But the thing is, you <laughs> that I'm really bored of, of constantly everything you read everything you write it's always these comparisons uh, and I think it's unfair on the band the band have been together since 2012 they have been um, I've, I've started listening to them in 2018 their willingness to craft their art their willingness to work together is amazing and uh, I think that as, as outside of Ireland they are going to really grow they are really really growing and I think outside of Ireland maybe as well it's also a thing where they're not of our generation you two are my generation so to speak they're creating something of their own
6: I, I think as well they've really proved themselves They, as you say the UK number one album which happened to be the fastest selling vinyl album of the millennium so far which is an extraordinary stat mm-hmm. uh, they're they a really good band they're a brilliant live band and there's there's far less of the Bono talk than there was with the first album so I think th- and I think uh, having spoken to them recently for an interview they seem much more relaxed with the question about Bono than they were when they first started I think they've proved themselves
0: mm-hmm. and It must drive Elijah but it must all also drive the rest of the band members crazy I
6: I, I think so to a degree but I think they're all kind of they're used to it to to an extent but I think they've 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 carved their own way and uh, and this album for me pushes that story along further
0: yeah. Now, you picked out, I think, Dublin Ecstasy as uh, yeah. one of the tracks uh, where the th- band really it, come ab- up so well. Absolutely. Dublin
6: and Ecstasy is one of the early uh, tracks that they ever wrote and was something of a live favourite when they were starting off. They finally got around to, produ- to, to recording it. It's beautifully produced. And it really is the sound of four people, uh, the rudiments of rock coming through, you know. The, uh, but But for me, Josh Jenkinson, the guitarist, shines here. And it, 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 it's, you know, uh, Eli Houston is not yet a remarkable lyricist, I don't think. But as, as, as a piece of music that you could just get lost in, yeah, I got lost in it. I really enjoyed it.
0: Let's listen to Dublin in Ecstasy. up in an ecstasy from cuts and bruises from inhaler. You know, you were saying to get away from the Bono c- comparisons and all of that, but then you hear his voice. <laughs> <laughs> but you say he has a much better voice. Than. Yeah,
5: we were we were just talking off air there that I feel that like, you know, you cannot escape the fact that he sounds incredibly like his dad. But at the same time, I do think that his vocal, if you put Bono at the same age, I think his vocal, Elijah's vocal is so much better. It's purer and you shouldn't really be comparing in, in that way. But you can't help it because imagine what he's going to grow into.
0: Yes, I think you were saying, uh, having listened to the album, that you can hear the influences of very much the late 90s, early 2000s.
5: Yeah, like there's a song Just To Keep You Satisfied and there's another one, Love Will Get You There. And I hear the naughties kind of in that, and especially in Just To Keep You Satisfied. um, The vocals and even the guitar, Josh's kind of guitar uh, rhythm um, and melody, um, incredibly like the Killers, Smile Like You Mean It. Um, That's not a bad thing. That's no bad thing to compare them to. Um, Uh, They're able to stand their own with it as well.
6: Absolutely. And the Killers comparison is good because the Killers have, f- f- since the early days, graduated to big arenas. That's where Inhaler are heading. They're supporting Harry Styles at Slane this year. I mean, there are several tracks in this album that will sound fantastic in front of 80,000 people. These are the days that people will know that because mm. it's a single. It just sounds immense. You're going to have all these kids pogoing uh, <laughs> in a field in Slane to that. And like... It's not easy to write songs that can connect with that many people. And I know, I know critics can be very sniffy about, oh, they're very pop oriented. I think that's great. So actually, do I, yeah. You know?
0: And John, you, you, you said that about a few of the tracks now about mm. how good it's going to sound live. How does that, how do those performances translate on the they, album? They though? translate
6: really well. I mean, there is, a, there's fine production here and there's a little bit of studio uh, trickery going on, which is, par for the course nowadays but I think they really wanted to sound like a quartet playing in a room and they capture for me the live intensity and and, and, and there's a lot of I mean I do think I really like the album but I, I think it fades away towards the end it kind of loses its impetus a little but I, I, I it, it just grabs me and the, the, you know there's a there's a lyric being young and alive and that's what it's about it's about these mm. kids in their early 20s having great time and they know they're really good and they're very confident and I think it comes across
5: It's funny because this is like generally we tend to agree quite uh, about most things in terms of this production of this album I would slightly disagree in terms of I, do, I think I've seen them live a few times and I think they have a really good energy and a really good charisma on stage I think that the sound is slightly raw and I would have liked the album to be less less produced, less studio trickery. I would have liked them to have been a bit braver about owning their sound a bit more. OK, Kate, stars out of five? Uh, I'm giving it three out of five. Three out of five. And from you, That's John? That's a
6: very solid four. <laughs> from very <me>. solid
5: <laughs> four.
0: That's for inhalers, cuts and bruises. Next, we have Trustfall from Pink, an album that alternates between tearjerking ballads and dance floor anthems like this one, Never Gonna Not Dance Again. so that's never going to dance again. From Trustfall, from Pink, Capran and Harding and John Marr are reviewing. John, you love this.
6: I really like it. I mean, maybe it's just I've had a great week and 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 just kind of great week in that. general
0: or listening to our
6: possibly both. <laughs> no, I I do you know what I I've always uh, loved Max Martin as a songwriter producer. He's second behind Lennon and McCartney in terms of US number ones, and he works very well, particularly with female artists. Uh, I agree that this is extremely cheesy. And it's kind of naff, but I love this, the seven, track. this track. This track, I but I love the seventies influences there. I love the kind of just how machine tooled it is to appeal to a huge, a huge audience. I know it. I know that often I'm cynical about that kind of stuff, but I just think it works here, and I think she she goes for it. And and and, and yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of are serotonin you smiling in here. Agreement no, are you smiling? I'm smiling. I can't believe
5: John is so cheesy. I'm smiling, laughing because it is like myself and John have swapped because normally I am I love the pop and I love the cheese there's something that's a bit too cliche about that song for me and every time I was listening to it even though I was tapping or my foot or singing along there I was both. feeling really annoyed with myself because it's just too too clean it's too perfect it's not Miley Cyrus Flowers so therefore it's just too it's too yeah it's like oh, it's not for me So but this is not representative of the album No, no. Sure, it's no, no, no John no. it's it's, no, it's, it's,
0: it's it. almost two different tones yeah, in one Yeah and
6: it's, it's, it's a it's a curious album in that, you know, the, I mean, she, she did go through a lot because, you know, the, 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 her father, who she was close to, died. Her, her young child uh, got very sick with mm. COVID. Her marriage was in disarray. It seems to be OK now. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's, the opening track is about her father. And, you know, it, there, there is a lot of sentimental aspects there. Sometimes um, it works and sometimes it doesn't. And and I have to say there were there were a good few moments in this album where I was going, okay, I can move on to the next track now. But I think the good stuff is very good.
0: There are interesting and unusual collaborations in this, like her collaboration with First Aid Kit, uh, the Swedish duo.
5: Yeah, so she met uh, First Aid Kit at the Brits a couple of years ago and she didn't realise who they were, which I think is very funny. And they were presenting her with an award. And uh, afterwards, uh, somebody was like, oh, this, you know, who are they? And she was chatting away to them. And then eventually said, I'm sorry, I don't know the name of your band. And they said First Aid Kit. And she was like, jumped around the room all excited because she was like I actually love you you're one of my favourite bands we'd love to collaborate and so uh, they started on the album Trust Fall and I think that this that particular song works incredibly well because while um, there's a lot of this album is very good and it's uh, to me it's it's split personality Uh, there's a real country Nashville tinge to a lot of the songs um, and obviously the First Aid Kit come on board as well with that with their harmonies and then there's the pop element and for me I wish that Pink had stripped away the pop and gone full throttle with the Nashville country sound and a more soulful sound. I think she's earned yeah. her right to play and change and step away from the big pop production. which you
0: think that would have worked better? I or think
6: it would have been interesting, but I kind of like the pop pink and I've you know again I've seen her live and I enjoy that mm. kind of the high energy. It's worth noting among the many producers here, Johnny McDade the former snow patrol member is on board he has worked with her in the past and he's on song, so he's co-written some of the songs um I, I do think it's a bit of a mixed bag uh, uh, you know but i it, it's remarkable because this is somebody who has sold 60 million copies and yet she's still kind of seen as not quite beyond or yeah or, mm. or 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 taylor swift level and in even in terms of just global fame but but she kind of is at that level and uh, and she's still going and at 43 it's, it's a young person's game to a large degree there's a lot of people banging on that door but I think she holds herself well here and uh, yeah I think it's a good stepping stone to album number 10
0: OK well let's play uh, another track we won't do the first aid kit one we'll do When I Get There
5: of you when i think about forever i hear a joke and i know you would have told it better
0: yeah i know so that's when i get there from trustfall from pink and john that is the song to her her recently deceased father
6: it is it it is and uh, i i i think it manages uh to to straddle the or to, to walk that tricky line between sentiment and 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 kind of slushy i i think i i kind of buy into it you know um, uh, I, there is something there that you can feel mm. the pain and I kind of I think it's I think it works well actually
5: I think what's interesting about that song is that it came across her desk she didn't write the lyrics to it it's David Hodges name Amy Wadge who wrote it and um, it sounds and feels like her song and this mm. is what I mean the the slower songs and the more heartfelt songs I think are more beautiful I think that track will be absolutely massive I think it might be you know it'll be a funeral song but it'll be a love song it's a really beautiful track and you know she also lost her nanny as well who was Part of her children's lives. So she's dealt with a lot of change, moved her family to Santa Barbara from LA. She uh, took the time during the pandemic to reconnect with what was important to her. And uh, when that song came across her desk, I read an interview where she said, Oh, this is the, this is the, the the next thing, this is the next step. The way I want to go. So, stars out of five for trust fall from you, Kate. So, I was a bit—I don't know—I've I've given it two and a half out of five because for me, I really would like it not to have been so erratic. Now, Pink has said that the song, uh, succession, and sequence choice, uh, was on purpose because she says life is kind of like a roller coaster in that way. Uh, no, Ronan Keating puns. <laughs> <intended>. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm still—I would like to see her make a country album. It's two and a half out of five.
6: It's three from me
5: three from you so two and a half and three for Trustfall from
0: Pink now um, lastly we have New Pagans with their second album Making Circles of Our Own New Pagans are a five piece band which includes married couple lead singer Lindsay MacDougall and guitarist Caro Daugherty Kate tell us a little bit about them
5: yeah so the band are really interesting they uh, came together a couple of years ago this is their second album Um, they released an album The Seed, The Vessel and The Roots uh, back in twenty twenty. One and it was really well received. They're jangly indie punk. Uh, They're also a band that, you know, they've talked about this where a lot of people when new bands are coming out, it's all focused on younger musicians. This band are in their 30s, some of them are mothers. They're from Belfast. Yes, uh, the lead singer Lindsay McDougall. she's really fascinating. She's doing a PhD in embroidery and Irish women in embroidery at the moment. And this album features a lot of kind of notes and and, uh, basically she's talking about how weaving together things and weaving together parts of her life. And the interesting thing about this is the first album was really angst-ridden and it was her expressing anger. This album is about finding place and finding home. Even though it's indie punk, it's it's doing that. Uh, John, I think you like there We Are, John. Name-checking <laughs> yourself.
0: <laughs> Maybe you talk us into that and we'll play some.
6: Yeah, partly it's inspired by the late avant-garde artist and filmmaker Derek Jarman, mm-hmm. uh, who worked with people like Suede over the years. And it's a really interesting song, and in that it captures a lot of what's very good about this band, like the kind of the, as I say here, the intoxicating guitars and that propulsive percussion, and also Lindsay MacDougall is is a is a hell of a vocalist, mm. and uh, and yeah, it's it just it's it's the it's at the heart of the album, and it kind of it feels like a, a highlight.
0: Okay, let's listen to "There We Are," John. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, There We Are John and that's from Making Circles of Our Own New Pagans I think you liked Karen Was Not A Rebel
5: I did like Karen Was Not A Rebel Uh, again you know continuing the embroidery theme uh, it's about uh, this amazing person Karen Bergo Larson who um, a lot of people if you haven't heard of her she uh, I hadn't heard of her before I listened to this she's actually credited with the Swedish aesthetic the uh, IKEA aesthetic you know the embroidered kind of quilts and everything and uh, her husband Carl Larson was quite a well known painter who painted her and used him as her muse and in this song uh, um, she is paying tribute to Karen but she's also talking about the fact that the men get recognised and the woman gets recognised 100 years after they're dead do you know what I mean
6: there's a a line you were the star and he was overrated overrated exactly
5: yeah so uh, but I really enjoyed the song and I really enjoyed the the meaning behind it and that's I think the thing with New Pagan's album that there's a lot of meaning the lyrics um, weave literally weave their way through and it's an album that you have to keep listening to even though some of it might yes, be Yes because you wouldn't catch that now on the first or second no. listen no,
0: you no, know unless you had the but lyrics But they in cast interview. their net
6: wide for uh, influences and they did that in the first album because there's was a song about Lily Yates who was, fa- who was a fascinating person in her own right and it's the same here you kind of come back to it and you're getting more and more and I think they're fascinating mm.
0: Mm. And what about that sound that they have?
6: Yeah, I mean, there are loads of comparisons but like Sonic Youth, you can hear it here, PJ Harvey, even Pixies in terms of that kind of quiet, loud dynamics that informs several of the songs. Um, It it is self-produced. One note of regret for me is that if there was a a, a a top name producer here, the songs could have been lifted more. But but having said that, the DIY aesthetic is to be at, uh, acclaimed as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, Kate, from you, stars for New Pagans, S- making circles of our own.
5: I really enjoyed the album the more I listen to it. And as I said, I think it's something that you have to dive into and give it a chance. Um, I'm giving it three and a half out of five
0: three and a half out of five and from you John four four, four. It's so much more generous than you tonight I yeah, know it's strange <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: it really is uh, jo- join us next week for <laughs> <laughs> normal <enormous> services when <laughs> we switch yeah. back give each other's brains
0: back Caperon and Harding and John Marr have been listening to Inhalers Cuts and Bruises Pink's Truss Fall and New Pagans making circles of our own thank you very much that's it for tonight's show the programme was researched by Liam Murphy and Paula Shields Harry Buckless was on sound Demi was the broadcast coordinator. Tonight's show was produced by Ola McGowan. Remember, on Tuesday, we're going to be at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary with Sebastian Barry, Sean doing a public interview there. And we'll see you, of course, on Monday. And John Creedon is next.